This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm here with a new Mike, baby, and I'm joined by Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Uh, I exist as much as I did last week. Take it as you will. Uh, Yeah, no, I don't really have a whole lot this week. How are you doing, Big Cat? Well, you know, during all this shit, there are good days and there are bad days. And today is a bad day, friends. So I'm hoping to get my energy going. It's nice to be talking to my buddies about pro wrestling. Uh, But, you know, just not the best day that's ever happened. Nate, how's your day, buddy? You're here. Epitasis, how are you doing? I am here. I'm sorry to hear that uh, you're not having a great day, Um, Aaron. uh, Over here, I'm having a pretty major one. You know, it's raining today. Uh, Red and Leaf both showed up to my island for the first time, so that's pretty uh, monumental. Looks like we're going to have a new wing to the museum is going to be added on here shortly. So, you know, really everything is coming on Millhouse. Now, did you have to do the uh, Azalea Bushes uh, daily quest today, or did you just have something else with Leaf? Uh, no, I started off my uh, my bush planting quest for Earth Day, so that's been done. Got my hedges from Tom Nook. Got my uh, first painting donated, uh, really just on top of it. And, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to the next evolution of my island. Hey, I mean, I'm about to have the uh, store upgrade happening tomorrow. So I'm trying to get everything done before I can't access the store for a day. Beautiful. I, I, mine actually just completed today. So we're right there. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. No, yeah how, three, how... three items at a time from the little boys. Hey, I mean, ooh. It gets to a certain point where Nintendo's trying to lock down on everyone, trying to make as many bells as they can. But we're all out here trying just uh, yeah, try to late. make it. Try too to... late. They can't stop me. I'm already. I'm. I'm way over the. Uh, I don't know the the point of no return as far as wealth because just my interest is going to keep me rich forever now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how's your island going, AB? Well, I don't have whatever bank Joe are talking about, but Azalea Banks stopped by my island today. <laughs> Tell me that she's a big fan of the podcast. Great. She thinks it's high energy. We don't sound zanned out on most episodes. So I was pretty pleased with how my island went today. We're right. That was good. That was my backup idea for banter is I was going to talk about how I flushed on my clonopin down the toilet because I, I wanted to make sure Azalea kept listening. So I'm glad we're right there on the same wavelength. <laughs> Some things had to bring me joy today. And by God, that did. So that was excellent. <laughs> All right, so it's time for the nicest episode of Everything Elite. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us at Everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Heya. You can subscribe to the podcast. You can search, uh, what's the name of our podcast? Everything Elite on the podcast app of your choice, or subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Give us a rating and review if you're on the podcast app, and make sure you check out patreon.com slash everything elite if you need a little more ee content on your phone or wherever you listen to podcasts here's what we're going to talk about we're going to play elite or delete 
not a lot of extra news, so we'll have to uh, uh, get back to our old show opener. We'll be running down what happened on Dynamite last night. We will be talking about ratings, and we have most of the show announced for next week, next week's Dynamite, so we'll run down what's going to happen next week. But we might as well just jump right into it and play uh, the best game in the entire world. Delete! Elite! Delete! Elite! All right, Nate, what do you got? What's your elite pick of the week? All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the obvious one for somebody else because my uh, my stream was fucking up a little bit right at the top of the show here. So instead, gonna take a dark horse here. The best friends versus uh, roommates feud. Uh, is 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 kind of endearing itself to me at this point. Had a pretty fun little match with Jimmy Havoc and Orange Cassidy. I thought this was about the most entertaining that Jimmy Havoc has been in this promotion. Uh, you know, previously on the show, I was worried that, you know, one of these guys has to lose at this point, and I didn't think it should be Orange Cassidy because he is like a bona fide star at this point. Have to shout out Raw is online. He pointed out that Orange Cassidy is killing the rest of the AEW videos on YouTube. Like he's doing, you know, five times as many views as like Chris Jericho segments and shit. So glad to see that he got the win. Uh, and I'm really, I'm kind of amused by this trio of Penelope, Kip, and Jimmy as basically goofy losers. I don't know. Something the this promotion does a great job of making the jobbers pretty entertaining. I suppose I just mean the the main main roster jobbers, your Peter Avalons and your Brandon Cutlers. Uh, and I don't know, the more, the more Jimmy Havoc loses, I feel like I'm going to like it more. It's just funny. Like that, that they fully acknowledge whatever head canon, or they decided that they're going to make this into complete canon about the fact that they all live together. And now they just are three people that really should not be on the same team, but they're just like the goofy British house, you know, with Penelope Ford, I guess, representing Philadelphia and Jimmy Havoc in the basement. So I, I like that they're doing this and they're giving people, who are lower down on the card, something else to do while they're trying to do like all this build to the TNT championship. And, you know, orange Cassidy is one of those things that for the most part, like cinematic wrestling is whatever, like that, that that's boring thing to talk about now, just as boring as like Kenny Omega giving too much to a jobber, but orange Cassidy is just such a delight each week. You know, whenever he's out there, it, it's one of those things that, uh, I think that they do a good job on realizing capitalizing. And I mean, as friend of the show, Rawls online pointed out, like he's a crossover person and he's someone that I think that it's a big struggle right now for them to claw uphill given circumstances, but having someone like orange Cassidy around in a time where everyone's craving content is just a smart idea. So I, I'm all for this. Yeah. I also really liked they, they built this match that they're going to do next week with a best friends backstage interview segment and, you know, those are always money for me. Those land every time, uh, you know, said before that the best friends are really like, even as goofy as they are, they just feel the most real and the most authentic. And they have the most contemporary approach on wrestling in this company as far as like, you know, them and Colt Cabana, like, you know, taking it seriously, but still acknowledging the silliness of whatever or whatever. So that landed that hit for me, you know, say what we will about Kip Sabian, but him in the best friends feud works a little better than him in the main event. Yeah, I thought the most interesting thing about the the Orange Cassidy Jimmy Havoc thing was that you're right, Nate, that Jimmy Havoc was more interesting than he's ever been. But it's like 
maybe Orange Cassidy is about 10 times the wrestler that anybody gives him credit for based on the gimmick because he is the reason Jimmy Havoc was so interesting here. Jimmy Havoc was doing the same shit, but Orange Cassidy really uh, played into it and, and made him seem uh, vicious and evil and spooky and all, all those good things. Hot Jim's a star. We just have to accept it, you know? He is one of the most underrated wrestlers in the world. And he's been doing this now for like 12, 13 years. Like I'm right now watching stuff like in Dragon Gate USA where like he's popping up a little bit. And she's like, okay, wow. All right. Like let, let's get aboard this. So yeah, no, totally. Orange Cassidy is making Jimmy Havoc interesting, which is something I did not think would happen this year. What do we make of Orange Cassidy having such higher YouTube views than everybody else? Like he... He doesn't ha didn't have a lot of like um, exposure previous to this. So how has he become so popular? Well, he did. He crossed over into whatever remains of like casual wrestling fandom or even just like viral video <clears throat> watching. Right. Like and I think going back to basically when this promotion checked out on Evolve is when he started getting shown and Evolve more and kind of caught on there and started catching on to PWG and in GCW. Um, I, I think it's just that his videos play well on YouTube because they are comical and subversive and reliably very entertaining. And it must just be that once he's in the algorithm, people that have previously enjoyed his shit, they start serving up related AEW videos or something. That's my, you know, I don't think people went out yesterday and started searching Orange Cassidy on YouTube like they do every day. I think it's just that there's a, you know, the algorithm or whatever probably has a, a pre-existing knowledge that this guy uh, uh, has some appeal to, to get to get fed to whatever casual YouTube viewers there are. Yeah, I find that fascinating. I, I It looks like they're not going to overexpose him by like throwing him in a singles match every week or whatever. But at this time where he's one of the few roster members that is, can be on every show, they're smart to find ways to incorporate him every week. And they've done a good job of that so far. Mike, your elite pick of the week. So this is not just an elite pick, but this is a little game I want to play for y'all. That I Mike, have... we're already playing a game. We're we're in a game right now. Oh, oh no, this the... is like this is the mini game here. <laughs> like like we all just like pull up games within games. Games within games. This is the game of games. All right. So I got an interesting text from a family member Tuesday night while I was doing something else. It was from my mom, and my mom, not a wrestling person whatsoever, but somehow. As she's cleared out her complete DVR, she came across an AEW commercial and she thought it was the most interesting thing. And this plays into something with the program is how well they've been doing like video content this lately. And especially like you had Scorpio Skies one there. You have the whole like Hardy like bait and switch video here. But she saw like the public interest one, the one that like had like everyone living their lives and then going back in the ring. The one that has like Darby and uh, Britt Baker and Scorpio Sky are like the three of the big people here. I want to play a game with 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 you two. Of the three people I mentioned, who of which I've talked to my mother about all three of them, which one is Mama Spears' favorite AEW wrestler? So my immediate guess from my recollection of that spot, of that ad video, was I thought it played best for Scorpio Sky. So I'm going to guess Scorpio. Okay. I'm going to stay on brand as always, and I'm going to guess that it – jumps over the Kentucky-Louisville divide, and Mama Spears was most drawn to Darby Allen. 
Point to AB. Mama Spears loves yes. loves some Darby Allen. She was like, he, he was skateboarding, and then he's using the skateboarding in the ring. Does he really do that? I was like, yeah, mom. Uh, he uses the skateboard as like his stuff. It's like, does he want to do that in wrestling before? That's kind of neat. And I'm like, no, mom. He's the only one who really uses skateboards. He even just puts like Johnny Ace. Yeah, and she was just like, oh, <laughs> like a near uh, a woman in her sixties who never really watched wrestling before knows who Johnny Ace is. AB. Come right, on, right? Sure. I, yeah. If- Actually, your dad is the Louisville guy, right? So no, I, no, no. She's the Louisville guy. She's the oh, Louisville woman. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, so, you know, cats and cards. Cats and, yeah, yeah. I mean, what can we what can we say about that? But yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to do a quick little game of that, just because there's a Scorpio tie-in, and I thought like they did a really good job of you have all these people who are off air now, just because of unless you're someone who consumes all the the content, you're not watching. You, you have not seen really the Bucks or SEU that much over the last month. And they did a really good job of not only with the Scorpio Sky interest piece, but also, but also like bringing in the BTE plug, making sure that everyone's aware that there's other stuff going on that's not just on TV. And I think this also plays into the idea of how big Orange Cassidy is on YouTube views. Like the idea is that this is like an overall ecosystem. And I feel like that it's taken them a, a long time for them to figure it out. But this was something where I felt like this week where they had like a very clear idea of how do we, wo- wo- how do we like wove together all this content or weave together all this content? I think that that felt really appreciative this week. So, uh, maybe I missed something. What is the, what, how is that jumping the Louisville Kentucky divide to Darby? <laughs> Mama Spears is a Louisville fan or she went to Louisville. Yeah. She's a Louisville okay. alum. What uh, is the significance of Kentucky? I'm a Kentucky guy. Louisville and Kentucky have... But but Darby Allen is not a Kentucky guy. No, but Mama Spears and I are both Darby Allen people, even though... So that's bringing you together through that, despite that that strife that would otherwise be between you. Exactly. Darby brings us together. Yeah, yeah. It's the meeting. (laughs) I wanted to double check. Did I miss that Darby had a Kentucky connection? His Wikipedia lists his his accolades, including the winner of... Wait, Style Battle 7. I thought that was (laughs) Oh, hell Yeah. (laughs) Beautiful. Uh, I agree, Mike. And I was thinking at the start of the show, I was worried. It was like, okay, we're seeing the same people every week in matches, pretty much. And even like backstage stuff, whatever, mostly the same people. Even the same jobbers. Yeah. Right. And I started thinking, this is a big reason why WWE sucks so much shit is that it's like the same stale people over and over again. John Cena, which he's not there, and I know now, but it's like every week is John Cena. Every week now, I guess, is Seth Rollins. You don't get a chance to breathe. And I was really worried that this was going to continue into that type of realm. I mean, when I woke up yesterday, I was the first time ever, I was like, fuck, dynamite tonight. It's like I really was not looking forward to watching it. But they were able to bring in Scorpio Sky. They had other things throughout with, with videos. Even that started the Cody video, even though we've seen Cody a lot, it was something different from him. But they were able to freshen things up throughout the show to where it became fun and exciting. And I was happy to have gotten to watch it. Yeah, that's a, a point in the promotion's favor, I think, throughout its run is that they really have not overexposed anybody. Uh, and this is the closest they've gotten. And of course, there are the extenuating circumstances that they had a very limited roster for the set of tapings. So you kind of have to give them a pass on that. But yeah, I love love not having the same people wrestle every week. I love missing somebody for a week or just having them in a promo or just having them in a pre-tape. I think that's great. And I, I think it's when they can get back to full strength or whatever, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to see that pay off. 
All right, I guess it's my turn to make my elite pick of the week. And I'm going to go with, you know, the, the favorite, the chalk pick. And that's the, the Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara match. This was great, of course, but I want to go somewhere else with it other than just talking about how great of a match it was, which it was. But you also had Jericho making sure we understood that there was a callback to their match at Revolution with Darby attacking Sammy before the match. Sammy, of course, attacked Darby before this match got going in earnest. And I was already thinking it coming into the show. If you listen to Light, you heard that. But I really believe that these two matches are the start of something that's going to be absolutely central to this promotion's history going forward. I think five years, 10 years from now, we'll look back at these matches as being really important. And we will see Darby and Sammy having worked their way up together. And then at the end of it, they'll be at the top of the promotion together. And we'll have these fun little video packages where we look back at these matches and it's like, wow, how much they've grown. I mean, you look back at the kind of people that you've seen this between like John Cena, Randy Orton, that sort of thing, Brett and Sean, even if you want to get real serious about it, you know, Masawa and Kawada. But probably that, like uh, uh, B- BXB Hulk and uh, Shingo Takagi would be my pick. <laughs> yes, BXB Hulk, one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> great, great, great pick, great pick. Thank right you. Made. Yeah. I it. So I think I, I do. I do. I didn't know that it was BB Hulk. And then I was just like, oh, I got to land this. Yeah. Right across the bow. Good but shot across the bow. For AEW, that's going to be Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, a different type of wrestler. Both of them, two people who really couldn't penetrate to where they wanted to be before AEW, but they're going to land here as stars and feud at the top of this promotion for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And I think that this is. I'm going to be real interested to see 2025, what kind of stuff they are. And it'll be an interesting thing if we're at Everything Elite episode 369 at that point, talking about this, bringing up the fact that I'll make an alert on my phone for five years to bring this up to you just in case. Because, yeah, no, the, the match was solid. And I feel like that Jericho and Shivoni did a great job of getting the importance of the match across. And, you know, I mean, these are two guys that, at least at this time, like we, t- like we just talked about people who aren't around as much because of the realities of the extenuating circumstances as other companies would call it, but because of uh, COVID-19 and the coronavirus, these are two guys who are able to be there. And it's something that's, I think, the fact that they were here and they're able to start building this here is something that will pay off for them and great dividends as we go down the line. Jericho actually said pandemic on this show. I think that's the first time on any of these shows that word has been uttered. But anyway. I do. I'm looking forward to see how they de-escalate this match going forward. Because, of course, the first match had them murdering each other before the bell and doing, uh, I don't know what it was, a 6.30 to the outside through a table. And this had Sammy murdering Darby with a ladder that didn't break and just, you know, everybody comes up bleeding and just absolutely brutal. Uh, I'm looking to see, you know, when we get to the match where it's just like, uh, you know, no high spots, never touch the ropes. Just pure technical wrestling trading, uh, you know, near pins or whatever for for 20 minutes. That's where I'm interested to see this go now. Well, it was it was interesting here that Darby went for like the foot footwork. Footwork is not really the word I want to use. <laughs> there was a lot of hand and feet stuff on the show. <laughs> it's a good genre yeah. of music. It, yeah, sure. So it was it was nice to see Darby did ground the match for a bit, but you're right. You got this crazy stuff around it. Uh, friends of the show Oakgan and Kara both suggested that it was similar to. Uh, Hiromu and Dragon Lee. And I see that from like what you're talking about, just like the craziness of the matches. I just, I foresee Sammy and Darby feuding for the AW title. And I don't think 
Dragon Lee and Hiromu are go- are going to do that. Maybe Hiromu might get there. Hiromu, yeah, I could see that for sure. All right, well, let's move into what was bad from the show. Honestly, I didn't think there was a ton that was bad, but what do you want to delete, Nate? Uh, yeah, so this will go hand in hand with my with my pick earlier where I put over the weird roommates trio earlier. Um, just nobody bought this stipulation for the main event, so it really couldn't carry the segment when you had a, a, a long main event match uh, with Dustin Rhodes and Kip Sabian here. You know, they they did all the work necessary to try to get you to buy the stipulation. Like, they established it on the road twos. They carried it forward. Commentary kept putting it over. They had segments on the show about it. But just n- nobody was going to buy it. I, I, I think really the most obvious um, point against it, like Brian Alvarez was like, Dustin Rhodes is not an idiot. If he's going to do his last match, he's going to do it in front of fans so he can have a big moment and where it can draw money. And it could do neither in this position. This was like maybe to give a little juice to this episode and be like, hey, there's actually something meaningful with stakes on this show. Um, But nobody bought it. So the match result was pretty much set in stone before it began. So then you're, you know, watching a, uh, you know, 15 minute match or whatever. I don't know what it was, 12 minute match with Kip Sabian and Dustin Rhodes where you know the result already. And it's like, well, not not really going to work. Maybe just put Darby and Sammy in that spot. I don't know. Yeah, like it, it just was impossible to buy into. I think we we talked about that yesterday on Light. The, like this was like this this was like the stipulation, and and it was like, oh wow, you're announcing this two days like or even less than that before the show. Like you announced this on Road Two, and then you're putting it over social media. But it's not like it. It's not like that they were building they were billing, giving you a false bill of goods here. Like, like that's like, I don't, I'm not going to jump to that conclusion, but just was something that with like the viewer and the fact that AEW for the most part does not insult their, their viewers, like no one bought into it. And as soon as you, like you did this, like you had what I actually, I, I made note of it. They made sure not to have a 15 minute Kip Sabian match (laughs) as the main event. They had basically a 13 minute one. So yeah. And the match just didn't work. It It was not a very good match. And, I've come to the conclusion that they see something a lot more in Kip Sabian than I ever will. So it's what it is. And sadly, uh, I don't think Dustin was at his best either during this match. It just was kind of there. And it was kind of a bummer because this was like an hour and a half of great TV, like the show for for like what we're dealing with. And yes, it's grading on a curve. I enjoyed this probably as much as some of the uh, full arena shows or like the show on the boat. Like there's there was enough here that I felt like like I was going like, hey, like, looked at my watch suddenly and was like, oh, it's 9.30 already. Damn, the show's almost over. And I was like having a great time. And then it slowed down to a sudden halt with Kip Sabian versus Dustin Rhodes, which is just, I'm just going to accept. It's just not my thing. So, Cubs fan also made a great point, which you guys have kind of touched on. But it was really that AEW has too much goodwill with its fans for the fans to buy into this. You could imagine WWE making like a mid-level legendary type wrestler have to retire in front of fucking no fans on a tape show. I, I but, mean, they faked it with Mark Henry back in the day, too. Like, right. they used it as, like, a bait and switch before. So, they WWE well, does not have the goodwill, even though the promo was awesome for Mark Henry. Then, fucking but. Kurt Angle retiring to Baron Corbin for no right. reason. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, yeah, sure. Right. But with AEW, we just understand that they're not going to do that sort of thing to us. So, they have to realize they have to play to that type. They can't play against some other type that doesn't actually uh, reflect the type of promotion that they've been and the type of uh, goodwill they have with their fans. So I'm just going to, 
I guess this is boring because we've already talked about it, but I'm going to do my delete now. And it's just going to be Kip Sabian generally. I mean, he he's kind of in a bad spot because he's one of the few people available to wrestle. But the promotion isn't doing him any favors. They're putting him in long matches in big spots. They can't do it. He's just I'm not willing to throw out Kip Sabian forever. I'm not willing to say like, oh, he should quit or whatever. You know, I'm I'm sure he's uh, got a lot of years left. That's a very measured response from you because I feel like usually if there was a segment you didn't like, you'd be like, I never want to see that person again. I mean, I did tweet, please stop making me watch Kip Sabian wrestle. But I'm willing to say like for six months, for a year, stop making me watch Kip Sabian wrestle. I'm willing to watch him again. Like when they were building, I think it was in the video on the show, where Kip Sabian is like, well, the thing with me is I'm not even in my prime. And I was like, dude, that's not a selling point. Like when you're in your prime, you're better. But it's not a lie either. So I kind of, <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> but just like so, a weird thing. I, I don't, I don't hate that. That was, that is funny, but it is like, Hey, you know, it's not wrong. No, but he, the guy's just not made at this point for 15 or 13 plus minute matches, especially these kind of slow matches with Dustin. They've got to figure out, and I don't know. After watching him for a year, they got to figure out what he's really good at already and have short matches that highlight that and get away from trying to make him something that he's not. I think he's so been I, pretty... I, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I was just say, I think I think we'll see a different side of him next week in the best friends match because it's no disqualification or whatever. The most interesting things that he've done have been just the blatant healing with Penelope as his second. And like that one moment in the Adam Page match where some guy was, uh, you know, razzing him or whatever, and he just gave him a kiss on the lips. So I'm interested in, when he breaks out of a straight ahead wrestling match and maybe gets a little more freedom to goof around and do, you know, whatever bullshit brawl stuff through the, uh, you know, Nightmare Factory compound here. Um, I think we might, I think there's potential there to see uh, a, a little more depth to him. Yeah, I was going to say basically, when they've used him on dark as like a part of tag team stuff, like cause I remember like he did a bunch of stuff with uh hybrid two that I was like, okay, like him and the part of like the scumbag trio actually really worked. And then him and Penelope, like I think Penelope is someone who's really made, she's really had a step forward in this time. And when he was playing her second and when they kind of played on the idea of, instead of like the vengeful girlfriend, instead it was like the scumbag boyfriend who's just seconder. I felt like that's great. So yeah, building off what Nate said, maybe with like this no DQ brawl kind of thing where especially with, when you have like people like Dustin and Trent who are just incredible hardcore workers. Like I don't think people really respect how much of a good plunder guy Chuck Taylor is. So like you have like that and with like Jimmy having like, that's probably like more the role and maybe it's just like, okay, we had to do this and we try to add stakes to this match. We know what he is in these circumstances. So we're just going to give it a full effort here. But then we're going to gear him into the dirtbag Florida compound versus best friends. And that's what's going to happen. And I think that that's probably like the best avenue for success right now. He's not someone like Darby or Sammy Callahan. Uh, why Sammy, Sammy Callahan? Callahan? Oh, God. I have like sleaze wrestlers <laughs> stuck in my brain right now. Sammy Guevara, who like you don't necessarily need to put them in the right scenario. You can have them be themselves and that they build off that as himself maybe he needs like the avenue to kind of present himself and maybe that's what this is well, what's your delete pick mike oh it was going to be kip saban i, mean, okay. I think <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah that well, really was the only really bad part of the show uh, I, I, I will say something i did not appreciate that 
that MJF used a word that was censored on a shot of brandy. On a shot of brandy, they refused to use the uh, colloquialism uh, rats, as I use quotation parts around it, and they censored each and every single time. I did not appreciate that they felt like that. It, they were not. They were going to abandon that on television. I like to see some cohesion. I want to see like what their overall proof of concept is. And if you're only if you're going to censor it in one place, censor it in another place, and don't use that word. That r- words mean. Clearly, Brandy has higher standards than Tony Khan. Apparently, Just outclassing the man. I oh yeah, actually no. Real delete. They did not show the best part of BT uh, of Row Two where they That's wanted right. to have Tony and Brandy and Britt. That was one of the funniest things they did on it. TV. Everyone go watch Row Two where they had like the really awkward uh, communication where where Brandy tries to invite Tony onto a shot of Brandy and then Britt immediately FaceTime sees Brandy's there, cancels out of the call and proceeds to like text him twenty nine times and each of the notifications <laughs> shows up on screen and Brandy says it. Great bit, but yeah. Good episode. I mean, like seriously, when like it's when all three of us are like, oh yeah, the, the main event Kip Sabian was like the one thing where we could point out. Overall, I think that means that this is a pretty strong episode of Dynamite. Well, one other thing we can delete is basically try to go to the doctor right now at all. Like if you have any sort of illness or condition, it's probably the worst possible time to uh, go to the doctor. Even before this, you would have to wait about 29 days in major U.S. cities to see a doctor. And if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you got to get treatment ASAP. And so that's why we have partnered up with our friends at Roman. Uh, They spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. So we're all doing like everything from home now, right? As best we can. I was just telling the guys before we started that I'm going to have to take some depositions from home by video. So if you need to go see a doctor, I know I've seen stuff about telemedicine. And this is a way for you to connect with a doctor uh, for conditions like erectile dysfunction. So it's very convenient. You get the treatment you need on your schedule, all you got to do, you get your phone, your computer, you have a free online visit, and then you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. So even with all this stuff going on, only 24 hours, you'll hear back from someone. If the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy will ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You get free unlimited follow-ups with the doctor anytime you have questions or you want to adjust your treatment plan. Uh, There's no commitments. You don't have to sign up for a a long-term thing. You can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash V-O-W, like Voices of Wrestling, for a free online visit, free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash V-O-W for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. If it's something that you uh, have an issue with and you want to support your favorite podcast network, just go hit up that URL, GetRoman.com slash V-O-W, and uh, we would appreciate it. So it's time for ratings talk and honestly i just i don't have ratings takes anymore it's uh i don't know so they, they're up this week and i have no clue why so they've gone from 683,000 to 731,000 flat in the demo but up a little bit to 24th overall my only guess i can't imagine that the wider viewing public bought into this stipulation especially because this stipulation with dustin Rhodes wasn't on the tv last week there was no way that word got out to you know uh, attract significantly more viewers as we saw here. There is another guy that was on this show that is proving drawing power, as we've discussed. So I think it's that there was an Orange Cassidy match. I think people wanted to see Orange. That's my take. You know, that makes as much sense out of anything. Y'all know me. I like getting into the minutia, the granularity here. So I want to talk to y'all a little bit with one of the sub-demographics. And just so y'all get to say 
our dear listeners get a say of how just viewership is. I'm going to talk about the men 12 to 34, whereas AEW got a 0.14, NXT got a got a 0.06. And let me tell you what shows these equate to just just for fun, because, you know, I'm trying to make fun of this here. So NXT in that demo had the exact same amount, at least to the hundredth point of House Hunters and CNN Newsroom given to that time. Whereas AEW is within a hundredth point of what we do in the shadows, which is a very charming show on FX that has uh, uh, Matt Barry, who's one of the funnier comedians working today. So that is my little corner that I wanted to give you all of just to get a sense of what kind of population you're getting. You're getting so little young men watching the show and AEW has like two and a half times that amount at this point. And maybe young, young men like watching uh, Orange Cassidy, as Nate said, like, He's a very like goofy person that I feel like that can make sense there. But that's what we're going to do until things get to normal and there's stuff they can really judge. I'm just going to pick a random demographic and like see what their comparables are. So NXT mm-hmm. has House Hunters and Newsroom. AEW has what we do in the shadows. You guys ever watch uh, watch some House Hunters? Oh, hell yeah. Really? Do you enjoy it? Uh, I mean, when I first discovered it, I thought it was pretty fun. Over mm. time, it you know, becomes pretty samey. Yeah, it's, it seems pretty deranged to me. I think <laughs> the uh, just the because the people can't act right, and it's all right. very clearly people coming in here and having to you know do a whole fucking work about picking a house. I only ever see it at the car dealership when I'm picking my car in, and then you go and you sit in the waiting room, and it's always fucking HDTV. I don't very very odd and foreign to me, especially and and I have to imagine other millennials are like this is insane. It's, it's a lot like like commercials are insane because I never see commercials. So the rare times I do watch television have to see commercials. I'm like, this is like from another alien planet. Like, do people understand how bizarre just every tonal note of this is? And all those HGTV shows are just like commercials at for 30 minutes to me. Anyway. I, I've i never seen it. I have family members that love having like a big backlog and then they'll have it on during the day as they do other things. So not my thing, but yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess having uh, hunted for a house, you know, it can have some things that are that are interesting about it. But the the best thing about it, and there are like a million tweets about this, so I'm ripping off all those tweets. But it'd be like, I'm a artisanal pencil maker, and I've got three million dollars to spend. You know, it's always you don't know how they've gotten this money, and they're like 25, and they've got a billion dollars to spend on a house. It's always funny. Truly deranged. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you ever watch like home improvement shows, Nate? No, I mean, I don't have cable. Um, okay. I, but growing up, my, uh, my older sister was really into like houses and, uh, you know, designing houses and, and, and furnishing houses and all that stuff. And she works in that industry now. So HGTV was always on. So I have seen and encountered these things, you know, the remodels and all this home makeover nonsense. Yeah, SB's a big fan. There's one that's in like Mississippi, I think. And it's based out of there. And it's like couple. It's, a, you know, it's like the other one with the couple that I can't, I don't know the name of. But just the Property believe, Brothers. Well, I, I don't think they're a couple. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think they're brothers. Uh, uh, well, well, one of them is engaged to Zoe de Janelle. So. This is so funny. Incest is having a moment. <laughs> How uh, no no I was gonna they're stepbrothers, it's fine. 
What are you doing, step bro? <laughs> uh, fucking remodeling a house. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, so speaking of NXT, uh, it was it was down six ninety two to six sixty five, but up in the demo slightly to a point one eight. So good for them. Uh, in AEW, I only have the last three episodes up, but that's their highest one in at least the last four weeks. So congratulations to uh, our friend Tony Khan. All right, let's run down the results from this week's Dynamite. So it starts out, as I mentioned briefly earlier, with Cody, and he's at a desk in his very uh, custom gamer chair. Clearly, with the with the American Nightmare logo on the back of the gamer chair, he's uh, he's got a big some video screens, and he's commenting on all the other contenders who are in the TNT Championship tournament. He says, "So who am I?" It's a very reflective promo uh, video for Cody. We hear Arn saying Cody needs the title. Some of these other guys just want it, but Cody needs it. And he asks, "Am I a mid Carter for life?" Did I break the throne because I didn't want to sit in it? Which I thought was a pretty good line. Uh, he asked if he's comfortable. Talks about complacency being a dirty word in wrestling. We also said three-star general, I think. He, he oh, yes. up the three-star, which he was, uh, that was a, I only am reminded of this because it was on BT this most recent week, this week, but that's something Kenny called him in the build-up to their feud. Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, he says there's plenty of will in the tournament. We're going to find out who has enough of it. So another example of them starting off the show differently. You know, we I mean, they did do videos the last two weeks, but they were Jake Roberts. So we see Cody more build to this tournament. And uh, I thought Cody did a good job here. Yeah, this was a this was a fun opening. I thought that was kind of, like this goes into like how they're doing different things there. He really was hitting like the level between uh, Christian Bale, Batman and Naked Snake. From Metal Gear Solid, which I think he probably was going more for the Metal Gear Solid thing, that of like at least the voice where he was trying to pull off his best David Hater. But yeah, I thought this was an interesting thing, and I, I, I always find crazy whenever people try to like do their own version of like video surveillance graphics, which are never how like editing set or anything looks like. So I always find that kind of funny, and that amused me greatly. But more envious of his chair, maybe think I need to get a new chair. A new office chair. I've had this one for a long time. Don't know if I want to get a gamer chair though. Like, have have either of you ever thought about getting a gamer chair, or is that just a bridge too far? No, you know I have because I've seen them on sale before, and I'm also in. As you all know, and we discussed the link on the show, I got a new chair at the office. Right. So my my yes. chair here at home, it you know, offers pretty good support, but just the the bottom cushion is starting to fray a bit, just from you know my, my years and years and years that I've had it. So I have, when I've seen gamer chairs on sale, I've been like, well, I need a new chair. Yeah. And this is supposedly a good deal on a chair, but they do look really ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I, I wonder if I should go for the gamer chair or get like the dumb Instagram uh, advertising that just is like, oh, this is like the uh, Casper pillow, but for your ass. And I'm wondering if like, if that's just the route, maybe that's all I need. But the gamer chair, if they actually made a gamer chair that did not look like it was someone who was playing call of duty for like ten thousand dollars then i would maybe look into it okay i got a playstation i got resident evil 2 i've been playing that sb wants a switch but i am not getting a fucking gamer chair <laughs> i won't do it three, I, I would have to try i'd have to try one. i'd have to get any gamer chair companies out there let us know oh if absolutely you, if you please. customize the cody chair hit us up because i just want to i want to do like a 60 day sample you know mm -hmm. just see 
Is this all it's cracked up to be? You, you know what you could even do? You could send it to me first since I brought this up, the, the idea of having a new <laughs> chair. And then we'll send it to Nate, and then you can send it back to me and Nate. We'll share it. I don't think Aaron, you, Aaron, right? No, no, you, you said, yeah, you just said, what you did didn't you just say? One. Yeah, come on. I said, you're not sitting in a fucking gamer chair. I said, I'm not getting a gamer chair. If one is given to me, I will try it out. Uh, okay. That's still getting. That's yeah, still it's receiving still getting. the chair yeah. if it's given well, to you. The important part of this is, folks, very reasonable ad rates right now uh, on this show. So if you if you want to give us a chair to try out, we'll talk about it on this show. It could even have Cody's thumb logo on it. I'm not too... I, I'm not too special about this. I mean, but if you want to put like the E logo on that, it'd be even better. I do need a new office chair. So the office chair that I have, I literally, when I first went out on my own, I rented an office and this chair was just in it when I showed up <laughs> and I've used it ever since. And it sucks. It's so bad. My back hurts most days. I really should get a nice office chair, but I'm always like, can think of other things to spend like two to three hundred dollars on rather than an office chair. So I never do. I just think if it's called a gamer chair, it should have more ridiculous gamer components, add-ons. You know, I want like a Nintendo Power Glove built into the arm or something like LED if, lights. LED lights would be good if it yeah. had cooling fans. Oh, absolutely. Not even to cool you, just to cool the fan itself or the chair itself. Yeah, right. Would be good. <laughs> a fan just, for the fan. If, yeah. If it's gonna look so ridiculous, then I want it to have ridiculous features as well. Yeah, like I remember one time when I was like in my preteen years going with my dad to the lazy boy store because he decided he wanted to get a lazy boy. And the stuff they had, at least in mid-90s chair tech, why aren't we seeing like the little mini fridge inside these gamer chairs? Like we should be able to have like a mini fridge. What if it, you should have like a water tank that like puts out filtered water for you? I drink liquids like a horse. I need to have that there and available for this. Why have we not reached that step? Gamer chair companies come at us. We have ideas for you. I feel like Razor and Monster Energy is just like a, a brand synergy waiting to happen. Well, Razor's got the Kenny. I wonder if that was a Razor chair. Do I think that chairs? was a DX Razer chair. I mean, I have a Razer mouse and keyboard, so I'm here, Razer, if you're listening. Kenny, if you're listening, <laughs> you know, forward this to your guy. So, Chris Jericho was on commentary for this show again. Uh, Chris Jericho is, like, preternaturally good at commentary, right? I don't know that I would call him good. Oh, he's, very, he's good. He's very entertaining. He, he hits the notes, uh, though. Accomplishes a lot. I guess he's charming. He notes. He's charming. I wouldn't want him on every show until the end of time. It 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 would reach a breaking point for me, for sure. Yeah, but like he hits, he tells the stories that he's trying to tell. I think like sometimes he's very obviously like, okay, these are the, my notes for for this match. I want to make sure I, I get these points. But he like puts everybody over. He never buries anyone. And he's funny. I don't know. I think he's pretty enjoyable. Yeah, I probably don't want to hear it every week. But like, if I had to choose between Jim Ross and Chris Jericho every week, I'd take Chris Jericho. I guess. 
All right. It did. It super amused me when he said, "Oh, we've talked about possums before, or yes. well in the future, because this was all pre-taped." <laughs> and he he allowed for the possibility that the possums discussion would air at a later date, and that was very funny to me. There were a lot of good one-liners out of him this week, like he like him talking about like a special drink that was just vodka on ice, and then possums. Like I have a lot of thoughts on possums to begin with, so I was very happy that he brought that up. Well, look at the uh, patreon.com slash everything elite for more of Mike's thoughts about possums. Hey, possums are having a moment. They are just like incest. <laughs> All right. There Both was a those things are true. I, I asked Cara at some point in time, <laughs> Cara, are possums having a moment? And she was like, yeah, actually they are. <laughs> Who did you ask to find out if incest was having a moment? I don't think you need to ask. I mean, it's, it's ubiquitous, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Is that just me? Uh, buddy that's that's your algorithm nobody else's <laughs> i don't think it is i'm pretty <laughs> confident about this i've I listened to enough podcasts that have brought up stepbrothers and stepsisters and I'm, i feel pretty confident in this one. i feel very <laughs> uncomfortable about this conversation this is like when the guy i forget who it was but some chud on twitter who posted the thing and it had like a gay cruise ad and he's like i can't believe they're advertising gay cruises on this and somebody's like dude th those literally come from your search history very funny Okay, Sammy Hype video. He talks about that, of course, that he was in the very first AEW match against Cody. He says, Tar Darby, Darby, he says, Darby paints his face because he's afraid to show who he really is. And Sammy's going to expose him. Mentions, of course, that Darby beat him at Revolution. But Sammy says he's going to win when it really matters the most. Plays up Chris Jericho being his mentor. This flows right into a Darby video where he's, you know, just fucking around on his estate. Uh, and he says... Darby and Sammy are more similar than Sammy knows, but he stands on his own two feet, unlike Sammy. Uh, we both need this more than the world will ever know. But when I kill that dream of you winning, I'll feel so alive. And all these lines sound really cheesy when I repeat them, but Darby says them so earnestly that it's wonderful. It's just charming and, and you believe it. Yeah, thank God he's not doing go stand in the ring and talk straight ahead to camera promos like he would be doing anywhere else like they've uh they've gotten his you know pre-tape stuff to a pretty good spot for his skill set yeah he should probably never cut an in-ring promo he should just do videos forever but we'll see okay then of course as we mentioned earlier darby allen defeated sammy guevara with the last supper so i was pretty terrified when he uh, locked in the last supper because he of course could not pin chris jericho with it cody Cody with it? Cody. No, like, no, Cody was in commentary because Cody didn't know the name of the move. Right. And that's what was annoyed me. Yes. And it, it, I was irritated. I was like, you know, irritated before it even happened, thinking they're killing the Last Supper. But he actually won with the Last Supper. So I was happy instead. Here's why Jericho's great on commentary. He says, why do we have barricades even though there's no fans? So you can set up ladders. I mean, like, that's, that's great storytelling right there. It's a, a direct response to Jim Ross. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He said that a couple times during the uh, episode, which makes me wonder how many times he's brought up both him bringing up that and then also bring up possums throughout this recording. You know, like over the three day period, was he just going on about barricades and possums? Like I've, I, I would love to know like the actual shooting order of all this at this point, just to know like, did he have like one day where he's just fixated on possums? And that's why and the next day he was like, oh, I brought possums a whole lot. I brought barricades a whole lot. I guess this is, this is this, that's what I was on yesterday. I guess that also means they're not 
recording these all in one big block. Like they're coming back because this seems a reaction to the Moxley Hanker match. Of course, he could have seen that previously, I suppose, before we saw it. Right. Yeah. Or the, well, hard there to say because in terms of the commentary, because he did, it seems like a reaction to that. But then he also referenced, of course, the possum conversation that happens on the yeah. show. So they were definitely taped in a block at some point, but I guess after the Ross commentary had been laid down. And, and there definitely have been some more points over the last few weeks where you can notice edits too and dubs. So it could be something where he redubbed a line after it and like sent them in the line. Cause I, you could really notice it sometimes with Tony, like you could tell like his volume is different and like the background audio is a little different sometimes for some of his lines he delivers. And for sure they're plugging in stuff like here's another bubbly bunch segment or whatever. Cause they're, you know, they, they've done those at some other point. Then we got a video with broken Matt Hardy. He says two weeks ago, he laid out a challenge to Chris Jericho to come to the Hardy compound for the Ely deletion, but Jericho hasn't responded. In fact, only Sammy Guevara has mentioned his name. He says, I welcome you to the compound, Sammy, but I will sentence you to deletion. And then suddenly he switches to just regular Matt Hardy. I don't know if there was a line here that I missed that set this up, because honestly, I, I did uh, tune out a little bit when he started there, talking there about was. his he, he He actually explicitly said, I understand some people think Broken Matt Hardy is too intense or over the top or whatever. So I'll let you speak to uh, you know someone else. Of course, he has established in the broken universe lore that this new uh this new spirit persona essence uh this new essence thank you that uh, that is embodying him damascus has the ability to switch between personas at will so matt hardy can coexist along with broken matt hardy so uh you know he's 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 paying dividends on that lore that he laid down uh and he was like remember when he was like a really bad promo remember the edge feud when he was like Turn Angelic off the channel promo. Angelic Diablo. Oh yeah, yeah. No, the, like him switching over to this was great, and I, I actually remember the Damascus thing before. But even though I was kind of zoned out, I was like, oh, I guess he's making Damascus like go away, I guess, or whatever for this. But yeah, no, I thought that he had like this, and he's definitely someone that over this. Maybe it is him doing stuff with Peabody Award winner Nick Searcy has taught him how to cut like a normal promo because this feel about like at the point of the kingdom was when he actually learned how to cut great promos. So I'm going to say that once he switched over, he said he's known Chris Jericho for a long time. I, uh, and Jericho was really mad when Hardy showed up to have the bucks back. But he explains, of course, that the bucks are his good friends. He's, I, I did like this. Cause he's like the bucks. They're my good friends. Kenny. He's my good friend, Cody. I, I know him. That was funny. So well, then he's like, also, they're very powerful people. I want to be right. aligned with the people with all the stroke in this promotion. Right. And he explains, of course, that that's why Chris Jericho was bad, because he knows that if he knocks out the pillars of AEW, the elite, he can create chaos and fill that vacuum. I thought this was like interesting, an interesting way to tell this story. And then he says, AEW is not a platform for Chris Jericho or even for Matt Hardy. It's for the future of our business. And I'm here to protect that future. So he says he'll kick Sammy's ass every ass in the inner circle until he gets to Chris Jericho. Yeah. Great. Laid down his motivation there. Totally works. Yeah. This was great. It, uh, I guess hats off to Tony Khan. He just, uh, sees something that, that everybody hates and just cuts it out immediately. So, or it's more like re-gearing it this time. It's like, Hey, I'll still have this aspect, but I'll also be willing to do this because like, 
there is like the appeal of people who love it. I remember, I mean, there are people who love like the broken brilliance thing, but also realizing, Hey, there are as many people that just want to have like straight ahead stuff and realizing that they can kind of toe the line with both. I think it's a pretty smart move. Yeah. Because this match when it happens is like a serious match. It's a real thing. It's not a, a silly little match between Matt Hardy and orange Cassidy or whatever. It's like something that has real heft to it. So it's good that they're going to, have him if he wants to do both that's fine but for this specific match he's got to be a little more serious about it now i do want to see adam page respond and be like beginning of these pandemic shows i came out and confirmed to cody and matt jackson and kenny that i was with them and i was going to be in this match with them and now matt hardy is just looking right past me made no mention of me whatsoever obviously doesn't respect me explicitly shouted out that he respects kenny omega and made no mention of me as tag team partner so I want to see Adam Page get a little uh, get a little uh, thorn in his side about that. Yeah, that'd be good. I would like to see uh, Hangman Page and Matt Hardy throw some promos at each other. I think that could be pretty funny. I would enjoy that. And Matt Hardy, of course, is someone who has recently gotten a job here with AEW. If you are looking for people to hire, we got just the place for you. ZipRecruiter. I want to talk to you real quick about ZipRecruiter. You know, hiring is challenging. Right now, maybe it's probably more challenging than it's been in some time. Although I don't know, there's a lot of a lot of candidates out there if you are looking for people. So if you are a growing business and you're looking to connect to qualified candidates, you can check out ZipRecruiter.com/vow. The way it works is you set up your job on ZipRecruiter. They send that job out to over a hundred of the web's leading job sites, but that's not where they stop. They have a powerful matching technology. So ZipRecruiter will scan the resumes that come in to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. Uh, ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And again, right now, lots of quality candidates out there. So plenty of people will be seeing your job listing, especially if you put it on ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Everything Elite listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash V-O-W, just like Voices of Wrestling. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash V-O-W, ZipRecruiter.com slash V-O-W, the smartest way to hire. Okay, after this, we had uh, another Taz video, breaking down moves, but this time he's breaking down the V-Trigger and Kenny Omega's Snapdragon suplex. And at the bottom, we get the the good old "Don't try this at home" fine print. <laughs> I, I love the segment, and I want him to cover the Gale Lock. I need to know if it's a trap hold or if it's actually a pressure point hold. But I think this is like a great use of Taz, especially now that Taz is not able to be there right now. Like have him just record a VO, like going over people's moves, and the fact that he brought up brought up the uh, V trigger. Boy, did that play into discourse today. So yeah, I thought this was great. All right, let me kill all the discourse havers. It's dumb. It's dumb. Kenny Omega defeated Allen Angels, V-Trigger, after a powerbomb. Okay. First of all, we're in a pandemic, and there's like 10 wrestlers, okay? So first of all, you've got to stretch some things out. We've talked about it on this very show. But second of all, what on earth? Is this going to do to affect anyone's view of Kenny Omega except the dumb people who already hate Kenny Omega? There is no through line between this match and people being like, oh, actually, Kenny Omega is not a very compelling wrestler. 
Like, that's not happening. Nobody's watching these shows. There's not a bunch of casual wrestlers or casual fans watching these shows. But even if there were, there's a lot of things that that AEW has done that I think has diminished Kenny Omega's star power. But this was not one of them. And Dave Meltzer, right, as always, plenty of baby faces who have done squashes in a way where they want to build up the job guy. So it looks like they're beating someone of value. Whereas you see Wardlow's squashes on these shows, he never lets them get much of anything. And it make, that makes much more sense for a heel than it does for a baby face. So nothing wrong with this match. It was good. He finished him with a V trigger, which is a uh, not a finisher generally. Everybody always complains he doesn't beat people with V triggers. Then he does and they complain. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I mean, it's kind of silly to even weigh in on it because it's, of course, all people arguing in bad faith who, like you said, already hate Kenny Omega in the first place. So it's like, why even pretend that they're offering this as an honest criticism? But uh, I just, I, I went, this whole complaint about it reminded me of like the Lions Gate shows that were happening. Remember when Daisuke Sakamoto wrestled in New Japan against like, I don't know, the great Okarn or maybe it was uh, fucking Umino, uh, or Umino or somebody like that. Yeah. And yeah, he doesn't go out and squash him in three minutes because he's like a world champion and the other guy is a young lion, like doesn't hurt Daisuke Sakamoto. Uh, the point is like, Hey, this is a learning wrestler. This is an up and coming wrestler. I'm going to go have him contest with them. Same thing that Kenny Omega I'm sure did at the lions break show against David Finley. When David Finley was a young lion, it's like, he's not there to break the guy's spirit. Like Wardlow is. Yeah. Right? He's there to have a contest with the guy. And if uh, you know, he can teach the guy uh, something while he's at it. Uh, all the better yeah and i mean historically if it's like the baby face traveling champion they come into the town and they make your local guy look better and it's like a thing that's happened since time immemorial so like yeah no anyone who's arguing about this usually is arguing from bad faith so just hand wave them yeah that's all true it just it it's dumb it takes <laughs> it, it, it's dumb and I'm easily irritated though, so. right yeah and like of course like the the same thing is if kenny omega looks in the wrong direction at some people they're going to completely act up here so it's just like a lot of bad faith from a lot of different angles like if this was chris jericho having a match with someone that he gave them a little bit more and instead of like beating them in two minutes he beat them in five we would not be hearing about this whatsoever like it, it's the unique storm of it being kenny omega a lot of people who dislike Kenny Omega and like the situation here and, and the fact that it's a face doing this, that people are, are putting up like a argument where in complete honesty, like we'll forget about this next week. Now I do want to say in the interest of full disclosure, if all these annoying people had already not complained about this, I definitely would have come on the show today and been like, Oh, you should have beaten him faster. That for sure would have been my take if it hadn't already been a dick. I mean, okay, here's the thing. And I've complained about these type of matches on this show before. I definitely, as it was going, I was like, eh, he's probably getting a little too much offense. But the people who extrapolate that into being like, this is another example of Kenny Omega always having to be excessive in matches. I just don't think that has anything to do with what we saw. And then when you stretch that into, this is killing Kenny Omega's star power. It's well, like, this is, this is killing the business. Yeah, get a grip. So it's like, yeah, maybe you should, uh, you know have a little faith in the only people that have managed to become self-made stars outside of the WWE in the last decade that they maybe uh, know a little bit more about the contemporary business than, you know, anyway, 
Well, hey, did you watch the very first match on this show? Did you see Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara stars anywhere else before they showed up in this company? And there's been plenty of stuff that I've criticized here on Everything Elite because I think they've made missteps. But like a six minute match is just not one to we've spent too much time talking about it at this point. But we, honestly, what we just did, we gave all the haters too much offense is what we just did in this segment. <laughs> we should have squashed them. You're right. We'll squashed squashed them. Them. Right. They're done. Should've We're done here. Knock them out in 90 seconds and that, that'd be it. All right. Give it an F10 to the haters on the next episode. Here was the Scorpio Sky video that we mentioned earlier. He says he's always loved, always loved wrestling, always wanted to be a wrestler. Talks about how in 2008, 2009, he had a back injury and doctors told him he wouldn't be able to wrestle anymore. But then it miraculously went away. I really wanted him to talk about like using crystals or some shit. And like that's what solved his uh, back problems. Be like uh, Chris Cuomo's wife and have like the crazy like uh, energy chamber, like using yeah. the, the the breath, the breathing test thing as a way to expand his lungs. And it puts more uh, and the lungs provide more relief to his back muscles. Like there are a lot of different ways you could have gone with this that I think would have been really funny. I'm guessing Scorpio is one of those, like, uh, actually, I prayed this back injury away. I'm kind of guessing that's where he comes down, but he didn't say that in the promo. He says he had a lot of opportunities, but never really made it, was kind of thinking about getting out of the business, uh, decided he was going to give it one more chance. And in December 2017, SCU was formed. And then we got to be continued on the screen. Effective little video. Yeah, that was solid. Reminding us of old Scorpio. Chris Jericho, every time Scorpio comes on the show, Chris Jericho does a tweet. Or no, Jim Ross does a tweet. I think Scorpio Sky is going to be a big star. Then we got a video recapping the Dustin voicemail promo from Road 2. So it wasn't the full video, but we saw some of Dustin's voicemail where he says he's going to retire if he loses to Kip Sabian. This fed into Orange Cassidy defeating Jimmy Havoc. It was a distraction finish. Penelope and Kip tried to get involved and uh, kind of went awry. And Orange was able to get the victory. There was a flash pen. There was. was a flash pen. He, Love and flash I, pens. And a Last Supper on the same show, I mean, which is kind of a flash pen. Yeah, no, I'm having a great time with all these flash pens and pen holds here. Like, bring them back. Got to have more flash pens. Everyone on this roster should have their own kind of flash pen that gets over. Like, there's a lot of it. Like, let's do this. Darby is, like, uniquely situated to have a flash pen finish and that he's usually smaller than the other guy. Like, I thought that worked so well for him in Evolve where it would be a guy who was either bigger or a better wrestler or both and like a better technical wrestler. And he would just find a way to snap this in. And it's just a great way for him to get wins. Well, the great, and this is what I always talk about in terms of just Darby's work is that he does a great job of like using the momentum of his entire body and his offense to like, you know, he rolls away from people or he like flings off onto the ropes and slingshots back in to do shit. Uh, or even the coffin drop is like, I'm using my literal entire body on this. And that's why it's perfect for the Last Supper because he gets literally the entire leverage of his body onto the pin with that leg hold that he does. So it's awesome. Also awesome in this match is it, it was set up with uh, Darby doing a springboard and then Sammy caught him on his shoulders for the finish, right? Which is like, Tony said, oh, you went for a coffin drop there, which is like, no, he was going for a flying nothing because he was going to get reversed into the sketch. But that is the benefit of the Last Supper also is that he's not doing anything. So it actually kind of works. After the match, Jimmy Havoc attacked Orange, but the best friends intervened, and this was setting up what's going to be on Dynamite next week, which will be Jimmy and Kip taking on the best friends. That was announced after the main event. We got an MJF video. So, again, they're kind of bringing back some people who we haven't really seen. That was good. 
He says, you know, we live in depressing times because MJF hasn't wrestled on Dynamite in weeks. Talks about how in his last appearance while gambling, he suffered a hangnail, but he fought through that, was able to continue gambling. And due to his inability to quit gambling, the hangnail injury became life-threatening, but he promises his fans he will be back. Okay, I figured out my MJF comparison point. So I've said he's like a guy that was like raised on a diet of like 80s WWF heel promos and just like internalized those. The The comp here is he's like, it's like uh, 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 Ben Shapiro or Charlie Kirk or like Jacob Wool who grew up on a steady diet of just like bad faith Republican bullshit, but like internalized it to the point where they actually believe it's true and they don't understand that it's all a grift and a lie to, you know, uh, 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 gain power and dominance and then assert it. So that, that's what MJF is like. He's like, if you actually came up believing everything that these WWF promos by the heels were about, this is the person you grow into. It's actually a really fascinating point because I think about wrestlers in the eighties were all like football players, meatheads who this was just the next thing to do. And it was like, you did just enough to get by and get your get your money and you didn't do anything on the road on like house shows. But when you showed up at the big show, you know, you had to do your had to do your thing. And then the wrestlers of today have missed all that in a lot of ways <laughs> and have been like, no, like it's not uh, a work. It's actually you go out and you do everything you can uh, every time you got to be the best bout machine at all times. And similarly, you had the Republicans of the 80s, 90s, even pretty recently, who were, as you said, it was all just a grift and they were playing a character. But then all the dumb people like one uh, race. Your Paul, your Paul Ryans uh, you know, yeah. came up believing this to be the actual, actual policy. Yeah. Yeah. Like these people didn't realize that Lee Atwater was playing a grift his entire career in the 80s leading up to get George H.W. Bush in office. And like he was playing a grift on like. Like, how much do you all know about Lee Atwater? Like, he's, let, let, yeah, no, like, people look up Lee Atwater. Like, he was, like, one of the original Republican grifters, and now all these people, like, think, like, no, he truly believed in it when, no, Lee Atwater just believed in what he was going to do to make money. So, yeah, I totally think that's a relevant point. I mean, I think that's I think that's the nickname, right? He's the Jacob Wool of AEW. They're both, like, <laughs> 22, 23 years old. Oh, have you heard the story about his dad's company? Jacob Wool's or MJF's? MJF's. No. So like there was like this big scandal and he's talked about this. Like his dad does like the Pagel, the Paleo Bagel that like he found like he basically <laughs> no 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 this gets more wild. That can't be real. No, it's legit. Like search the Paleo Bagel, the Pagel. But like the thing is that happened was so this happened and then like there was like a big like drama about this. Like he has like this mail order uh paleo bagel business but the re original recipe was like from like a special book for people who are trying to eat like a paleo diet and like learning how to do this and then like he did not credit whoever like did this like whoever like came up with this recipe and then turned into like a certain thing like if you just like search like paleo bagel drama on on like your google if you bing it or go go duck or whatever the one is but if you ever do this like there is like stuff there it's like you're not too far about seeing the jacob wool thing you know I typed in just paleo bagel because I didn't even think that existed. But so this would have no gluten, grains, or dairy. What the fuck is the point of a bagel? It, it uses like arrowroot flour, I think. This is disgusting. This makes me sick. That's all. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, no, Nate really hit the nail on the head there.
Like, nice job, mate. I, as my as my career point was, yeah, no, there's lots of malaria there. Hmm. Next up, speaking of squashes, Wardlow defeated the returning Lee Johnson with the F10. Okay, we Wardlow. got a dark. Yeah, Wardlow. We got a dark order video. We see Brody Lee across the table from someone. He's having a meeting. Uh, before this, we've seen someone in a dark room, like putting in a request on the Dark Order website to join. Brody asked him how tall he is, how much he weighs. Did he play college football? So, you know, he's continuing with, with the, the Vince McMahon-isms. He says, a lot of people around here are afraid of success. I want to offer you success and strength in numbers. We are the Lions of AEW. He pushes a mask across the table and tells the unnamed person, you are home now. You are one of us. You are Dark Order. We, we learned later uh, from Brody's tweets that it was Preston Vance, the QT Marshall trainee who was on, I think, Dark a few weeks ago. Yeah. It, it, I thought it was funny how now they're getting deep into the canon enough that they made sure to say that he was a former football player and was six foot two and 240 pounds. Like that, that they've already hit like the, like the main, like the main big ones. Now they're going to flesh this out with Mr. Brody Lee. Hopefully next is going to be the steak wrap. The, uh, so I like it. They gave him a number cause you know, the dark order guys just get numbers. So he's number 10 and I like that gimmick, but Preston Vance is like a pretty good FCW NXT name. So you're losing a little something if you take that away from him, because that does sort of complete the illusion of like, oh, this is, you know, some football washout that Vince is going to, you know, fire in two years before he ever makes NXT television, except maybe getting squashed by, I don't know, Samoa Joe. They finally like flesh this out. They're they're (laughs) finally starting to make sense of Brody's take on the Dark Order to where you finally bring in like a fucking former college football player who's like a good looking guy, good body. Uh, but in this case, he's actually a pretty decent worker, at least in the one match we saw, but it's like, okay, now you're really bringing together uh, what we're supposed to find here. So I'm enjoying that. And, and they even made a little joke of this, that now he is number 10, I guess. Like they made a big deal, like that. He's like, like before where it was like seven and eight where the uh, creepers now he's referred to as 10. So I thought that was kind of funny. I saw that uh, Sean Spears wasn't too pleased about that. And then after that, we saw Brody Lee defeating Justin Law with the Lariat. After the match, Brody walked up to Marco and looked at him, uh, but then he turned around and walked away. We found out later they are going to face off. And I think that's going to be on next week's episode. Yeah, it's on next week's episode. Brutal finish. Like they've really yeah. gotten the like the big truck stop Lariat. Like the, he's turned it now into like readapted it into this new character, and it just looks brutal with like the. Uh, ripcord or, or i don't even know what you it's not even like the ripcord it's like he does it from the uh, sister abigail position but i don't even know what you would call it like the dipping rotating discus lariat i guess maybe but yeah no it, it was good like they've they made a big note of how he's only had five minutes worth of matches so far and i guess this one was like two minutes and 30 seconds so it'll be interesting like how many wins can he rack up before he has more than 30 minutes of ring time yeah, they did. So he's doing that continuity with the sister Abigail. They also had the little whole world in our hands reference in the pre-tape video with Preston Vance. So just appreciate that to make it seem like there's some sort of cohesion in pro wrestling. Uh, a little annoyed with Jericho here because he calls it a clothesline. He's like, oh, he beat him with a clothesline. But then it like, makes a Stan Hansen reference. It's like, come on, Chris. Like, Stan Hansen didn't call it a clothesline. Goddamn. Right. Yeah, that's an easy one. And it shows he's not watching the product because Cody's been talking about clotheslines versus lariats for weeks on commentary. 
Then we got the interview that Nate was talking about earlier with the best friends in Orange Cassidy in a gym, which we saw later in the in the show too. And I can't remember who else we saw in the gym. Dustin maybe was in the gym. Uh, Trent says, "Do I want to fight Penelope Ford? Yes, but I can't. So I'll fight her boyfriend and Jimmy Havoc for some reason." Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I left. That was good. And uh, Chuck gets on the mic. He says, uh, "When Trent's quiet, that means you're gonna die." Just like a really uh, well done one minute backstage promo. Like it, it, it popped you, got over what's going to happen next week. Like the, these are like the little things that like add up that I feel like that they've had like enough variety of everything now that you have like this one, like one backstage promo and it was pretty effective versus like the preview promos that we had before. Then there was a bubbly bunch video. Sammy said he acknowledges it hasn't really been going that well for them lately, especially since Jake Hager didn't win last week. And Hager reminds him not to be sad. That's for ugly people. And Jericho says, we're going to do what we do anytime we're feeling down. We're going to dance. How about a flim flam video? Sammy says he's too sad. He's lounging. He's feeling very bad. He's lying on the floor. Jericho says that he's going to offer hand sanitizer to the winner. And that perks up Sammy immediately. And so we all see them doing a dance. It's like a, uh, a TikTok send up here. And uh, everybody's doing their dances. Sammy dances, but also does flips. Uh, this really irritates Chris Jericho that everyone was very impressed with Sammy's flips. He says, uh, enjoy the hand sanitizer, Sammy. First off, they made sure that this was not affiliated with TikTok, which I yes. love that disclaimer. And I do have a point of contention here. Catalina Hager told us that he, that Jake could not go home unless he was a winner. And we saw a follow-up of that of her shutting him out at home. Are we to believe that Chris Jericho like was being the nice friend and let Jake Hager stay at his house? Because no, I have so questions. He, he did make a follow-up tweet. Okay. I think that was just I jumped the fence or something. So all right, he did put, there he we put go. that little he put a little bit of effort to say she didn't let me home, but I, you know, yeah, he said he literally said I jumped the fence. I'm in the backyard <laughs> and I'm still a winner. <laughs> there we go. I'm just glad I, I don't want it, like to have discrepancies. Here. Like I, I appreciate that they kept up the continuity yeah, no, here. They, I, the little bit of you know, it wasn't a stipulation. It was just something she said offhand in a uh, promo package. But they made it a little fun for us. So, yeah, for those of us who watch all this content, we really appreciate <laughs> it. It pays off. <laughs> video next, typing up the the Dustin Kip Sabian match. Dustin says none of these guys can do anything I haven't seen in my 33 years in the ring. Talks about how winning this title would really cement his legacy but that he isn't overlooking Kip. And this is where Kip does the bit about all these guys are uh, in their prime and the best of their career. I'm dangerous because I haven't hit my prime yet, which I don't think that's how danger works, but sure. I guess you could tie it in and say like, I'm willing to like try out things that might be wilder than other people will, because I know I'm not on their level yet, but he didn't really go there. Well, I, and we know Dustin's not, we know he's on the, the downslide from his prime. He's post prime. Yeah. So stop pretending that Dustin is better than he's ever been. That's like a bizarre thing to say. He's yeah. over 50 years old. Yeah, especially yeah. after this match he had. Yeah, I mean, he's really good. Like, I, I'm enjoying him in this promotion. Right. But let's let's be serious here. You also, like, I know they've kind of gone like, far it, away. Also, like, he got in really good shape, like, I don't know, four years ago now. So even if he was in the best shape that he's ever been, if that's the line, like, he was in this good shape four years ago when he was also four years younger. <laughs> Right. And if you're going to even hint at the real sports type stuff, only Julio Franco was, was this good at 51. So it's like maybe get away from 
claiming that he's as good as he's ever been. Uh, they also apparently hadn't come up with the retirement stipulation yet because that wasn't mentioned at all in this video going in, which I thought was funny. Uh, and then Dustin Rose defeated Kip Sabian, which we've discussed, with a Canadian destroyer that he calls a Code Red. Yes, and that gets me very, very mad. He knew I was going to jump on this immediately. There is the Code Red and the Yoshi Tonic. They were developed at the same time by two people who did not know of each other. This was not a Code Red or a Yoshi Tonic. Call it the Austin Destroyer or whatever, but it's not a Code Red or a Yoshi Tonic. Thank you. Sorry about the interjection. No, and they were also, Jericho's like, oh, well, he hasn't been doing that move. You know, he's like, oh, he calls out the Code Red. He hasn't been doing that. It's a new addition to his arsenal. He was doing that four years ago on Raw when he was, you know, ha had his little return run. So just not also, also not accurate. He wasn't doing the driver. He was actually doing a Code Red. He's also done the Destroyer in like every AEW match he's had. <laughs> yeah, it's been like a huge spot for him. So anyway, it's a, it's a huge spot for every old guy. Easy, easy yeah. pop. Well, it, they should have retired it after Ricky Morton did it because it can never be better. I mean, I kind of like the the Indies sort of decided, uh, you know, uh, not not together as a unit, but independently. Everybody like kind of phased out the Destroyers. Because there was that period where yeah. everyone had three destroyers in it, and mm -hmm. then the Indies kind of stopped that. Um, now they're I'm all doing sure reverse Ronas. Because people weren't getting tired of them really yet. Yeah. They were still over. They were still getting big pops. But it is, you know, this is maybe the first time since Petey Williams anyone's actually won a match with him. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like they all decided to start doing reverse Ronas instead. Like that, it kind of became the next move for a while. Much higher degree of difficulty on the reverse round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe we should just let if you're if you qualify for AARP, you get to do the destroyer. If you're younger than that, you do a reverse Rana. Like that, those are the rules. Like if Mike Jackson wants to do a Canadian destroyer, have at it, dude. Like you're more than welcome to. If you're if not, can't do the destroyer, you have to have your AARP card. Fair. As you both know, I've been watching a lot of Smoky Mountain wrestling. Right, yeah. And speaking of Dustin, here's a move I want to see come back. The Bulldog. More Bulldogs in wrestling. Huh. I, Kenny, I mean, Kenny's Kotaro Crusher is kind of a Bulldog. He just, like, vaults yeah. him first. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, formerly known as Zack Ryder had the, had the uh, Rough Rider, which is the leg Bulldog. Uh, I see uh, I, I see Dragon Kid do it all the time. You're just watching wrestling that doesn't have Bulldogs in it, man. It's no, out no, there. no. no. Well, I mean, Smoky Mountain Wrestling has Bulldogs in it. Robert Gibson <laughs> won a match with a Bulldog, by God. You, you see, like, I was preparing myself to maybe go watch a Smoky Mountain Wrestling, but now you said that's the one who won a match with a Bulldog. That's just, come on. Okay, I don't want to blow my load on here instead of doing Thank it on you my... Thank so much. I really appreciate you not blowing your load on here. <laughs> my, this has been a weirdly horny episode, so, like... <laughs> I want to save it for my Smoky Mountain uh, podcast, but it's not a wrestling promotion. It's a talking promotion. If you're only in it for moves, you are not going to like this promotion. Period. And you know me. I love moves. Yeah. Smoky Mountain's probably not for you, Mike. That's fair. But I am going to be doing the Smoky Mountain podcast on our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash everything elite. It's not out yet, so don't rush over all at once. But it will be out soon. This week on the Patreon, uh, the whole crew got together for the Terrace House Party, including the debut podcast appearance of SB, my wife. My wife. Very <laughs> sorry. Your, your voice cracked like a little bit when you said my wife. And it was very funny. It was very close to saying it, so I didn't complete that. Yeah, no. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was good. We rank we, we rank some terrace house guests. 
It was yeah, fun. so we, we did power ranking we, of the first uh, three episodes of this the most recent season of Terrace House. Uh, we heard some pretty good feedback on it. I thought it was fun, and we'll be back uh, doing more of this. It's going to be a little mini-series. We also, of course, had AW Light. All three of us are on that show, of course. And we did that this week. We're going to do that next week. We're going to do that forever until uh, until we die. Until the heat death of the universe, or we yes. die. One way or the other. I know I teased this last week, but seriously, on Monday, we're going to put up the Patreon episode that features me talking with Maxwell RBR from Twitter. He was formerly the booker of freelance wrestling in Chicago. We talk about his time booking that, his kind of theories on booking. Uh, some interesting stuff about like how you become friends with people and then you have to have them lose matches or stop booking them and how awkward that can be. And uh, so I thought it was really interesting. So I'm excited for people to hear it. So check out patreon.com slash everything elite. We got three tiers and uh, they're all good, but it's getting close to the end of the month. So you can wait till May one because you will get charged when you sign up. And again, on the first of the month, but you sign up now, you get everything we've ever done on Patreon. So still a good value. Okay. Next week, April 29th, they're going to be at an undisclosed location again. I'm not sharing where they are like you two. It's an, it's embarrassing. It's, it's dangerous. And people I mean, are just going to show up. I'm Next not, Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, somebody's going to show up and run in the, the, the building. Remember, um, you guys ever hear that story of the woman, uh, I believe, came over from Japan and went to Minnesota to find the fortune that was buried in the end of the movie Fargo and froze to death trying to find the fictional fortune? No, I didn't know that happened. I was thinking about this the other day because, you know, at the beginning of Fargo, they put up that it's based on a true story, which right, is not yeah. at all true. It's just total fiction. Mm -hmm. And then just like, if you know, of course, would never have been foreseeable to the filmmakers. But them doing that little joke was like, oh, no, a woman came over and died because she went and tried to find that fictional treasure. Are you their anyway, lawyer? Saying it's not wasn't foreseeable? Not reasonably foreseeable, no. <laughs> <laughs> Los Coens Innocente. <laughs> All right, but next week, April 29, on Dynamite, here's the stuff that we know. We're going to get both the semifinal matches in the TNT Championship Tournament. So Kobe's Cody. Kobe. Cody. Kobe is going to take on Darby Allen. Lance Archer will take on Dustin Rhodes. I think this is fascinating because the final was supposed to be on Double or Nothing, right? So, it's still supposed to be. They haven't moved it. So they're just going to build that match for three weeks, I guess? Yeah. Three-week build for a pay-per-view? Yeah, that's fair, I guess. Especially assuming it's going to be Lance Archer versus Cody. There's plenty of stuff to be done. Yeah, and great if they're not wrestling. Because then you want to see them wrestle because you haven't seen them wrestle in a while. So you pay to see right. them wrestle. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like a pro wrestling. Huh. It's also, I love that the, the Cody versus Darby Allen thing. Because before he hits that thing where he's going to feud with, with Sammy on top for many years, he's going to have to finally overcome Cody. So I'm looking forward to uh, to that happening one day. Could be Wednesday. It could be. I'd be pretty surprised, but I guess it could be. I, I'll put it out here. I think a more interesting match, even though they've built it, will be Darby Allen versus Lance Archer than Cody versus Lance Archer. Probably a better match. Uh, yeah. 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 But the but the Lance Archer Cody not match a bigger is well match. Built. Yeah. I think it's gonna be a better match, a more interesting match. Sure. Yeah, but I mean, I'm into the 
Cody versus Lance Archer story. Like that's it's interesting to me. I'm compelled. Mm-hmm. We're gonna see Brody Lee. Doesn't doesn't quite strike you with that uh that real sort of fire that a good Jake Hager feud does for you, Aaron? <laughs> no, no. You, if Jake Hager were in this semifinal and about to take on Lance Archer, I would probably be pretty worked up about it. You'd right be now. losing it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they always they always get me. Uh, <laughs> I, I always I think back to that like series that Jake Hager had with Rusev when I just thought it's time to pull the trigger on fucking Jake Hager and, and make him the world champion. And this was after he was a world champion. Yeah, but he was and tested positive and was shuffled down the card, never to be trusted again. He was so over during that that little feud though. They did the classic like American versus foreign heel, and it was. I need to go back and watch those and see if they were actually any good. I'm not going to go back and watch those, but I should. I should. Uh, Brody Lee's going to take on Marco Stunt, so they're kind of bringing us back to when Marco uh, had a similar match with Lance Archer, so we'll see how that plays in here, but it should be fun. We'll get to – hopefully Marco takes a better bump off the, the lariat than he did on the pounce. And a no DQ match. The best friends taking on Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc. Certainly Orange Cassidy and Penelope Ford will be involved. Hopefully this will not be a 15-minute main event. No, I guess probably Cody and Darby's main event, right? I, I mean, yeah. Kind of, kind of their their most stacked show from these pre-tapes. No you jobber know, matches here, right? I mean, there'll probably be two jobber matches because they've been like having six matches and then yeah. the rest of the ones are jobber matches. But yeah, no, this is a pretty stacked one. I'm going to look through my notebook to see which one so that maybe had a, a higher card here. But at least in my yeah. opinion, this is... <laughs> Kind of by a fair margin, you know, excepting maybe that first daily place show with the debuts and shit, but yeah, definitely cutting up these matches out of order, right? They didn't like film these episodes, and yeah, right. Uh, I mean, the first daily's place match, you had the uh elite versus dark uh inner circle to decide the blood and guts one, butcher and blade versus uh uh Jurassic Express, uh, you had the uh four way women's match. Oh, uh, hey, remember when we used to have like Chris Statlander and Rihu on shows? Remember yeah. when we had women on these shows having matches? I yeah. saw this very, I saw Discourse looking at our account about like, oh, very funny that no one complains that Nyla Rose never shows up to defend her title when everybody complained that Riho never showed up to defend her title. And it's like, there is, again, kind of a pandemic <clears throat> occurring. Yeah. Kind yeah. of uh, extenuating circumstances. Kind of have to let some of this stuff slide. Oh, th- yeah. there was a guy on March 25th who I forgot their name, but it's Chico Adams. We have not had Chico Adams around in a while. This I did was, not even remember that. I, I, think, I think Chico Adams might have been on a uh, WWE show since then. I think he was uh, also an enhancement talent on a WWE show. Well, there we go. Um, yeah, no, uh, we had the Cody versus Cody and Darby versus uh, Sean Spears and Sammy Guevara match on that one show that also had Kenny Omega versus Trent and Hikaru Shida versus Anna J. Yeah, no, I'm looking at this now and this next week feels like the biggest one. And this is why I have the notebook. I don't need the notebook. I, I, I could just feel it in my bones that this was the big card. I, I have a bird brain, so I need to have things written down. But I got one more thing to talk about before we go. Oh, so- surf. Chris Hero was released this week. Yeah. WWE. Mm-hmm. Any interest in seeing Chris Hero in All Elite Wrestling? We yeah. did discuss this because I did pitch that I would like to see him in the context of a reunited big in USA tagging with Colt Cabana. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that's the show, everybody. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
but no, yeah, no, Chris Hero, especially like I floated out the tweet of the idea of a wrestling school that's based around Chris Hero, Chris Daniels, and Misakura, Shima, and QT, and you have a really strong school there. I think that especially given where they are and given what they need to be doing in the future, Chris Hero is definitely someone to have. And I mean, I think like we should have Chris get him out of the dry fits, just have him be like in his tights and just going at it. I think what just see what happens with Chris Hero. Like I'd be interested in seeing Chris Hero versus Darby. Like today's Darby versus Chris Hero. Like stuff like that I'm really stoked by. I would be really interested to see if they put Chris Hero on Dynamite and use his theme music without clearing the sample from Clint Mansell. Yeah. That seems like it's within the realm of possibility. That they'd be like, oh yeah, that's your that's your song. You've had that song. We'll put that on. We're not worried about copyright or whatever or contracts. I think that's within the realm of possibility. Yeah, I think what happened was the first time we talked about Chris Hero, he had the Cassius Ono stink all over him. So I wasn't really right. that invested. But once he posted that video where he kind of buried Cassius Ono and just the Chris is awesome hit, I was like, oh yeah, this dude rules. And I'm excited to see him wrestling in a real promotion again. Yeah, it does help to do a big, dramatic Burial. shedding of your WWE stink, for mm-hmm. sure. Because, of course, when, when you sign, the moment you sign, then you were always bad and forever will be bad. And then if you do manage to do a big, splashy thing to, to shed the stink, then it's like you were always good again. I, I think like two months ago, I threw out my... Chris, the Chris Hero t-shirt I still had. So now I'm bummed. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, thought he was dead forever. Yeah. I mean, we should still not completely absolve him. He is a Duke fan. That's fair, true. I wouldn't talk fair. about that, okay? Chris Hero is a is an adult. Yeah. <laughs> he did not go to Duke. Right. And he's not from North Carolina. Not at all. He's from Southern Ohio. No reason for him to be a Duke fan. It would make more sense if he was a Louisville, Kentucky, IU, or Ohio State fan, given where he's from. I mean, there's no reason for anyone to be a Duke fan. Even if you're local to Duke, you have better options. At least be an NC State fan. At least like do that if you're going to right, be Right, then you area. can do the too sweet shit. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, there's no reason to be a Duke fan. Uh, it's like terrifying that someone would A, be drawn to Duke as like, like oh, a this, child. This Mike Krzyzewski guy, he's got so much charisma. I just can't get enough of this. terrifying <laughs> <laughs> about the kind of person you are, but then to like go into adulthood and just never have that moment of like, oh yeah, this fucking sucks. Right. Like, you definitely never met somebody from Duke. Yeah. Oh, oh no, it, it's very par for the course. Yeah, I mean, give us some of that Central Ohio energy, Chris. I mean, there's... It, it, and it's also like something that if you meet people from Durham, they are all, no matter where they go, they will be Duke fans and it's obnoxious too. So, yeah. Well, it's like, I guess, you know, the comp that people would make is like Yankees. It's like liking the Yankees, but there's a charm to like guys from the Bronx that are like, I like the Yankees, right? There's none of that charm with Duke fans. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and the other thing about the Yankees is the Yankees have enough like eras and like ebbs and flows that it's not like they're just omnipotent. Like how Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, like like all those schools are within college basketball. Like those very, I mean, like even Kentucky had down years. You know, what I mean, whoa, the, Billy, whoa, whoa, whoa. the Billy Giuseppe years. I don't recall any of that happening, buddy. That that this happened. I think I've said on the show before that I am a Yankees fan. Yeah, but as an adult, I'm like, oh, this is like rooting for 
um, America, basically, <laughs> in, like a, in like a war with somebody good. So but, I, I've, but again, there's like you know, there's blue collar guys from the Bronx that you're like, right. yeah, you're a, you're a likable like Yankees fan. Yeah, yeah and I, I I really rest myself. I find peace in the fact that I became a, a Yankees fan because that was the T-ball team I was put on. It was 1995. They hadn't been to the playoffs since '78. So you know, it wasn't. Yeah, no, that's or the real the, the real big run. That's why I said like there's ebbs and flows. Whereas with Duke, ever since Shashevsky really got going, it's just skull. It's like soul crushing like that. That's why we had to celebrate when Miami beat the living crap out of them in 2012, 2013 because those were important things. Because you should cheer for the underdogs. The, the, the a small scrappy team from Coral Gables, led by a very old coach who's on one last ride with a plucky undersized uh of point guard whose dad was an mlb player who could not play baseball because one of his uh because his uh little league coach coach said he had a terrible swing and where did he lose learn his swing he said oh i learned my swing from my dad oh who's your dad barry larkin so you had to, you had to cheer for real teams like the university of miami hurricanes liking duke is like you're like no nah, i don't i'm not in the nba really i like the fundamentals of college basketball but even like the Big Ten is a little too flashy for me. I need it to be nope, a little Ryan wider. Here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I I can't take Wisconsin first to fifty ball. I need to have like my hand held a little bit. Fake yep. school. Okay, well that's <laughs> for the week. You can find us if you want to complain about something we said on this show, whether it was about Duke or about incest. You can tweet us at everything AEW. Nate is at Epitasis. I want to be very clear about that. I'm Aaron Like the Car. Bike is at Fuji. Hey, ya. subscribe to the podcast, rate and review, and please check out patreon.com slash everything elite. Lots of good stuff coming there. So for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron, and we'll see you next week. Okay.